Hello there. Welcome to the Pretend GM Fantasy Football Show presented by Football Guys. I'm Alfredo Brown, and today I'm joined by the Joey Wright. You got to add the the there. That's his Twitter Mm -hmm. handle, at the Joey Wright. And today we are talking all about rookies. It's Dynasty Rookie Draft season, season, S-Z-N, like the youths Mm -hmm. say. Joey, I don't. I don't know. I feel so old when I'm I old, when I man. say things like that. I don't. Yeah, I don't feel cool. But this was a fun weekend for me, man. Like I actually, I I, I got like a little little nice time to myself. Wife was out of town at the NFL draft. Miami Heat went up one zero on the Knicks yesterday. Florida Panthers. That's right. Hockey reference took down arguably the best team in hockey. Uh, they're advancing around two. Hashtag Ice Cats, baby. That's right. Joey, how was the weekend for you? Did you get to enjoy the draft? Um, I did. I got to enjoy the Thursday and Friday of the draft. Uh, Saturday was like a family day kind of thing, um, but I still kind of tuned in through here and there. Um, but I was kind of just working on, uh, I transferred all the stuff over to a new studio. So I was working on that. But yeah, I just kind of kicked back and watched the picks come in and watched Hendon Hooker not go to my Buccaneers, which was a little <laughs> sad for me. I was hoping for it on day two the whole time. But how would you have do? felt? <laughs> how would you have felt of having Hendon Hooker there and he is older than Baker Mayfield? I actually don't know this. I'm just I'm just making things up as I go along. <laughs> He's what is he coming in? 24 years old, 36, I, something I, like that. Yeah, some of the 36, somewhere in between 24 and 36. I, I wanted Hooker once he got past the second round. I was like, all right, Bucks, if he's there, let's take him. It was not. I also see. I also see like you're bringing back a fan favorite, the Lightning Bears hat. I'm so happy. It's here. I'm so yeah, happy like, that the Lightning Bears are back. It's the, it's now my favorite hat. Like it's just got that feel to it. It doesn't smell bad, so my wife likes it. Yeah, it's it's a great hat. It's one of those hats like you even wear it indoors when there's not sun. Like it can be dark out, you're wearing that hat because it's a fashion statement. I'm gonna wear it to a wedding in October. So that's I, I, I would not expect anything different from you, Joe. Yeah. Well, today yeah, we are. Today, we are combining our Superflex rookie rankings, and we're going to break these players down into tiers. We're going to talk about like, why we've moved players up and down and why, you know, wh- where we have a tier break in talent, because I think it's really important, right, to have these tiers when you're drafting, whether it's, you know, drafting for like a, a startup, a full league, but especially rookie drafts. When it gets down to a really small field, it's important to have these tiers. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that and, and why it's so important. But before we get started, I want you guys to hit that like button. It is a huge deal for us, man. It helps us grow the channel. Uh, We continue to get to do our work for all of you. And also, if you're not subscribed, you should be. Okay, this month is going to be all about rookie draft and dynasty content. And uh, it's like Aerosmith said, you don't want to miss a thing. I know you liked it. I got it. Yeah, you did. Oh, man. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. All right, let's get started here with our tier one. And number one overall, I think, is is pretty easy but there is some argument as to who it could be right now we both have Bijan robinson running back for the falcons at number one joey how'd you feel about Bijan going to the falcons there at pick eight i mean i don't know if i can name a better destination than the team that ran the ball the most times last season right. in the nfl like it's kind of it's sad for tyler algier yeah i'm sad for that but um Bijan robinson on the falcons is kind of a dream um and what's nice about it too after they drafted Bijan, they bolstered the offensive line with Matthew Bergon from Syracuse. So that was good to see. Um, and Bijan's a stud. He's absolutely going to thrive in this offense. Um, averaged 6.1 yards a carry last year at Texas and just short of 1,900 total yards with 20 Ooh. touchdowns. I, he's, he's the consensus number one overall. Um, you know, last year we didn't have a running back, a rookie running back with over 300 uh, total touches but I think that's going to change this year. I think we can actually probably guarantee that's going to happen with Bijan. Um, I know we're talking a lot of dynasty here today, but as far as redraft goes, I've got him as high as my RB4, just behind CMC, Eckler, and Saquon Barkley. Where, where do you have him in dynasty? Um, he's my probably my running back one. Yeah, yeah. I, that's where I have yeah, him too. Is. Yeah, that's where I have him yeah. too. He's my dynasty running back one, and he's in the, like that top three, top four running back for redraft. Um, and like you mentioned, He's probably going to be getting, and I, I tweeted this the other day like when he got drafted, is that 350 touches is very much in the realm of possibility for B. John Robinson here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very similar workload to what we saw from Josh Jacobs last season. And we saw with how the, the touches were distributed combined to these Atlanta running backs, 300 becomes a really easy number for Tyler Algier. Or it's not Tyler Algier, for B. John Robinson, skipping ahead there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Tyler Algier, we saw him, fifth round running back, rush for over a thousand yards. 
Like, I'm, I'm sorry if he's able to do that and he's not nearly the prospect Bijan Robinson is. It's a pretty like quick jump to make to say Bijan's going to have an absolutely outstanding season. Uh, as you mentioned, the Falcons ran the ball more than any other team. Second highest run rate of any team in the NFL. Uh, think about early Zeke Elliott when he was drafted by the Cowboys early in the NFL draft. He was mm. RB2, RB3, RB5. RB5. That's the type of production <laughs> worth thinking about here with Bijan Robinson. And I think potentially even better as a better prospect than Zeke was. So, yeah, things are looking really, really good for Bijan Robinson over the Atlanta Falcons. Let's move on to our number two player here. And remember, this is super flex. Okay. So, you're going to see these quarterbacks off the board a bit earlier in your super flex drafts. Joey, we both have Anthony Richardson as our number two player. Yeah, he was my QB2 before the draft. Um, but landing spot shoots him up to number one. Um, you know, when I was kind of going through my show notes, I kind of said, you know, I think I'll probably start this season on the bench, just kind of maybe sit for a couple of games. But honestly, I don't really know if Indy traded up that far to be able to have their franchise quarterback sit for four games even. Um, so I think he could just very well start the season. Um, I love the receiver group around him, which is one of the reasons I have him as my number one dynasty quarterback. He's got Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, and then we'll talk about rookie Josh Downs a little bit later. Uh, most athletic quarterback in this or possibly any other draft class. Oh, no, any, yards. any. Don't, don't even say any words. Yeah. It is ever, sir. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's the comps true. were Cam Newton, but he blew his numbers away at the combine. So um, Cam Newton with a jet pack Florida, on. You know, the only thing he didn't do was throw a laptop out the window at Florida that Cam Newton did. So I think hey, he's got Cam beat everywhere else. Sorry. Had to get that in there. Um, you know, he ran for over 600 yards and nine touchdowns of Florida. Um, but the most exciting aspect for this for me is the Colts' new head coach. You know, he fostered two quarterbacks over the last three seasons as the offensive coordinator. In 2020, it was Justin Herbert. And last year, it was like a little guy named Jalen Hurts. Little I think guy. we all like him a little bit. <laughs> I mean, one could say he was an artist kind of working with premier quality paint. But I think he's just the coach you want if you want Anthony Richardson to be your dynasty or your franchise quarterback. Yeah. And you start to hear like all these things that, that, you know, coaches and GMs and, and, and owners say after the draft, oh, this guy was number one on our board. We think we got the best player in the draft with Anthony Richardson. Like that could actually possibly be the case. And that's where, that's what the Colts are saying that he was the best player on their board in this draft because of the raw tools that he has and uh, raw. That is a word that a lot of people have been using to describe him as this like raw player, kind of unsafe to pick in fantasy because it's so volatile. And there's a big difference. Okay. And I think a lot of people have been talking about there's a big difference between being raw and being inexperienced, right? He has the tools. Okay. Raw mm -hmm. is when a player doesn't have those tools and tools need to be refined. He has the tools. What he is is inexperienced. So the talent is there. The tools are there. He needs the experience so that he can properly apply those. So what he is is underdeveloped with that experience. He can become a really, really good quarterback. And it sounds like they're going to do it early. Like this is not something a big conversation has been like, you don't get experience on the sidelines. You don't get experience in practice. You have to play games. And that's something that both head coach, GM, and owner have all said here with Anthony Richardson. So we can see him play early. I think he gives you an immediate, immediate good rushing floor. Think of Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, guys that finishes top five and top nine quarterbacks last year. I think the floor for him, even as a rookie, is a top 12 quarterback. And that ceiling, we're talking Jalen Hurts territory. So yeah, I'm all in on Anthony Richardson as the QB1 after this draft. Let's get to our number three, and it's Bryce Young, quarterback for the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, they got the best pure passer in the draft, if you ask me. I mean, if you ask anyone, really. <laughs> um, and the weapons around him, they're not going to steal headlines. But I think they've kind of put together a sneaky good receiver group, you know, with veteran Adam Thielen, uh, DJ Shark, um, after the trade with DJ Moore to Chicago. Um, Terrace Marshall, for me, he's got a lot to prove, but this is his third season going in. So this is kind of the prove me season for wide receivers where they normally break out. Um, we'll touch on Jonathan Mingo later, but I love his talent being added to the room. So Bryce Young is going to have weapons there to throw to for sure. Um, he's got a natural ability to make decisions under pressure, which is a fantastic attribute when you're transitioning from college to the NFL. Um, last two seasons at Alabama, I mean, 79 touchdowns, like give me a break and had over 65% completion percentage. Um, durability and size arguments are going to kind of follow him around. Um, but he's got the natural talent and leadership skills to compensate those arguments um, until he proves it at a pro level, which I don't think is going to take long for him. 
Yeah, I think like you said, a lot of people consider him the safest quarterback. And I I can totally understand someone wanted to take him at pick two and super flex. Um, you know, you, you can make your arguments for where you want him amongst the quarterbacks. Maybe you want someone a little less volatile if he's your second quarterback on your roster, right? Uh, I still stand behind the rushing floor for Anthony Richardson makes him very not volatile. I know that wasn't great grammar, but uh, I'm not a big fan of the weapons there. I know you said like it's a low key, like good uh, wide receiver room. I'm just not a big fan. Like Adam Thielen is like one foot out the door. DJ Chark, even in the, the league's best offense, like one of the league's best offense last year in Detroit, didn't really do a whole lot. So the, the team lacks elite skill players, but I think that if there is a quarterback in this draft class that can do it and showed that he could do it at Alabama in his final year where there was not any single elite player except for Jameer Gibbs, who was a running back. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young could potentially do it. And so I think uh, they might not be getting the rookies that they want next season, but <clears throat> Carolina could be a big spender in free agency next year. So yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm all good with Bryce Young going three here. Let's get to our number four, and that is CJ Stroud, quarterback for the Texans. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to be kind of negative here, but I'm going to try not to be. Uh, he's got an uncanny accuracy. Um, it's going to come in handing as the weapons around him. We talked about Carolina weapons not being that great. The wide receiver room in Houston is really lacking. Oh, yeah, it's probably um, worse. Leaves, yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and the Texans, they didn't address the offensive line in the draft. Um, and their offensive line ranked 22nd last year, according to PFN, uh, which that might prove really worrisome for Stroud. Um, he really struggled kind of throwing under pressure at Ohio State. So he's kind of looking at an uphill battle unless a trade is made. And back in February, I had Stroud as my number one quarterback. I absolutely loved him. But I just really feel like this initial landing spot, it's just going to kind of set him back. It might be a couple seasons before he's fantasy relevant, even in Superflex for me. Yeah, the Texans kind of confused me. I, I, I think everyone was confused yeah. by the way that they ran their draft and they traded up for Will Anderson, who I get it, best defensive prospect in the draft. Sure, but like now they traded away their 2024 first, which given how bad they could be was something that could be a top five pick, you know, next season. So it's like you lose out on the potential of adding a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. for them. Yeah. And Stroud's, Stroud's going to have like some some players, right? Like Dalton Schultz yeah. is there to be a security blanket, um, but like he's on a one-year deal. It's probably going to be a run first team. Their new offensive coordinator is Bobby Slowick. He comes from San Francisco. So you could, you're probably going to see some sort of like Jimmy G levels of production from Stroud in his first year and a lot of like simple plays, tight end stuff and getting the running backs involved. Uh, but I think that the, the ceiling eventually becomes so much higher for Stroud than it ever was for Jimmy G because he's just, just a, a better player, a better yes. athlete. And, and uh, we saw in that Georgia game, like there's a low key rushing floor that, that kind of comes baked into CJ Stroud that I don't think a lot of people were considering. Remember, Justin Fields was not a running quarterback coming out of Ohio State either. So like there's, there's something that could be there for him. Do All right, we talk think they, Oh yeah. I want to ask go a question. Can I ask a oh, question? I, I, I'm going to give you an answer. Go questions are awesome. Do you think the Houston rolls into the season with Nico Collins as their number one wide receiver? Probably, probably. Okay. And I, th I, th I, it's, I'm not excited about that, but I think that the Texans roll in there with Nico Collins, Robert Woods, um, and some form of like John Mechie and tank Dell out there and those are going to yeah. be their top four receivers and you're going to have Dalton Schultz out there on the field. So yeah, it's, it's not exciting. Like it's not super inspiring, but I mean, if all these players start to develop with an actual good quarterback and the offensive system is simple enough, like, yeah, we could see some, some solid points as a rookie, but I think everything for at least for CJ Stroud and the Texans points more towards the future and less about what you're going to get in his rookie year. Now, we, we talked about tiers and why they're so important. I think that's where you get the biggest tier break in Superflex, right? And the, and uh, so many people talk about the value of getting the last player in your tier. And I, I actually got to do this where I was picking a pick five in a Superflex league and Jameer Gibbs went at pick three and I was able to get CJ Stroud at pick five. And so for me, that was phenomenal that I got this yeah. player who we really have as four at pick five, still from that top tier. And a quarterback in Superflex is huge, especially because I really needed it. Um, and I got Bijan at the 101. So that was great. Uh, but th that's where you start to see those like the changes in tiers. You want to try to get a player that's within that same tier, players that are comparable to one another. And then you can kind of formulate your preferences from within there. So our, our number five player that we have here, Joey, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba ranked as your number five player. I have him as my number six. Talk about JSN. Yeah, I mean, he's my highest rated wide receiver coming into the draft, and he remains there. Uh, what I like most about this Seattle landing spot for him is how efficient their offense was last year. Um, they were only 15th in the league in passing attempts. 
However, they finished seventh in completions and tied for fourth in touchdowns. And JSN could possibly help bump those numbers up. In his sophomore season, he had over 1,600 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, while maintaining a solid 16.9 yards per reception. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see where he slots in with, with DK Metcalf uh, and Tyler Lockett. I see what you did there. Uh, slots in. You see what I did there? Yeah. You're on a roll. Uh, but, you know, I think Tyler Lockett, you know, he's getting up there a little bit. So I would assume that JSN kind of maybe supersedes him, maybe, maybe not this year, but definitely next year. Um, you know, this draft pick, one thing it did do, I know we're talking JSN, but it really did move Geno Smith up at the top of the tier that he's sitting in right now. I'd rather take him than Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, all those quarterbacks in that range. I mean, he finishes the quarterback five last year, and while that's a little high for hopes, top 12, is that out of the question for Geno Smith with this type of receiver group? I don't know. Yeah, that Seattle offense, we'll talk more about the other player they picked there. Damn you, Pete Carroll. <laughs> But we'll talk more about them. But that's that Seattle offense could be really, really good this year. And I think that still gives you a glimmer of hope for a guy like JSN, right? Uh, this is a good long-term destination, but similar like CJ Stroud, like you're probably not expecting too much as a rookie. He's probably going to be the third target on this team behind Metcalf and Lockett. Like you said, it's probably not till Lockett's gone that you see uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba become you know a primary target on that team. And then, like we teased earlier, they added another running back to this roster, Pete Carroll. God, is there a bigger villain to fantasy football than Pete Carroll? Maybe Bill Belichick. I don't know. Yeah, probably Belichick. I Carroll's giving us some good stuff, you know? I hate them right now so much. But yeah. they, they added a running back prospect who catches the ball. And so, yeah, Gino and the offense could be really good, but there, there's only so many footballs that go around. So rookie season, not as excited about him. But for the future, JSN's still a fantastic prospect. He landed on a good team. The only thing that then starts to worry me is then you get that hurdle of what happens when Gino's gone? Who's the next quarterback? So you're kind of having to trust that this team will develop and find the next quarterback. I mean, they were able to do it with Gino. So um, I'm not overly worried that they won't be able to do it with a, a high quality prospect or, or another player. Let's get to our number six consensus player here. And it's Jameer Gibbs running back for the Lions. Joey, you got him ranked seven. I have him ranked six. Yeah, I mean, draft night, I was pretty underwhelmed by Gibbs landing spot. But then like 36 hours later, DeAndre Swift goes to the Eagles. So it cleared up a little bit, made things a little bit brighter. Um, he won't see the Lions share of the carries this offseason. That was ah, worse than the plot one. Ha, it really was. Man, um, it's getting bad. It's getting real bad. It's I'm getting real bad. Any day now. Any actually any minute now. Uh Sorry, you know, David Montgomery's still there. Um, you know, the Lions did give the running backs 546 total touches last season including 119 targets. I can see Gibbs getting around maybe to like 230, 235 total touches, making him a serviceable kind of bottom end RB2 or a flex option for sure. Okay. So we, we talk about uh, Jameer Gibbs and I, I accidentally ranked him as my number six. He's actually my number five player in this rookie class. And uh, you mentioned a lot of things about like this Detroit Lions running back room and, and how they distributed the ball last year. You think about it. DeAndre Swift was still a top, 15, 16 running back on a points per game basis. The problem was he wasn't healthy all the time. Uh, Jamal Williams was taking a lot of those goal line car carries, like, but at a crazy rate, he was taking goal line carries. And the Detroit Lions staff just hates DeAndre Swift. Like, they hate him. They legitimately hate him. They were high-fiving when they drafted Jameer Gibbs like they had all individually each won a lottery, like a different lottery at a different state, and they were all walking out of that room as like multi-multi-millionaires, which some of them actually are. But the excitement for Jameer Gibbs was crazy, and he should see a solid receiving share as a rookie that should continue on his career. He was never going to be a guy that was going to get, as you mentioned, the lion's share of the touches, right? Uh, he, he wasn't going to be a guy that was going to be a solo running back. And so I think we understand the landing spot for him here is actually better than most people think. Um, there was the rumor that there was a team that liked Jameer Gibbs more than Bijan Robinson. And the Lions said they would have taken him at their original spot at pick six, but they saw some value and wanted to be able to make the trade back. So this, this could all just be conjecture, right? Like it could all just be like stuff that they're just like making, Oh yeah, we loved him the whole time. Right. But like, Man, if they were willing to take him there at six, and the Lions did some crazy stuff like going and getting Jack Campbell super early, so it wouldn't surprise me. But the pass catching makes Jameer Gibbs easily a, a potential top seven or eight running back in Dynasty, potential top 12 or 15 in redraft. And I think the size will keep him limited. Goal line stuff will keep him limited. But man, the, the receiving work is just going to be mwah, chef's kiss for him. Let's get to our next player. Number seven, Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver for the Chargers. Joe, you have him at six. 
I do not. But talk to me about Quentin Johnson. This is the I told you so pick. On this very show, on our wide receiver preview, I told everyone he was going to go to the Chargers at 21. What a dart throw, Joey. You had no idea what you were talking about. Don't be no, that guy. I Don't be that guy. I... <laughs> Don't be that guy. It's very unbecoming of you. <laughs> no, I just I felt like he was a good fit, and it was really cool draft night seeing him land somewhere like that. Big body wide receiver who's going to thrive with Justin Herbert. Uh, this does feel like the best case scenario for him. Average 20 yards per reception in college. He still needs development, though, with utilization of his size. I mentioned it back in February. Was it February we did that or maybe March? Um, I don't know. Time is a never, construct at this moment. He's a big body receiver. He's never quite used it right. Um, Keenan yeah. Allen and Mike Williams missed a combined 10 games last year. So we could see Quentin Johnston contributing week one, and I expect him to be on the field week one. Yeah, he's just not the field stretcher I wanted them to get. Um, it's good offense, great QB. He's got some old wide receivers around him, so there could be opportunity. But I think people are forgetting a lot. They're focusing so much on the wide receivers and forgetting about Austin Eckler. So it's it's not like he's even a top three option in that offense. He is the fourth receiving option in that offense. He's got to develop more as a route runner, as a contested catch receiver. There's a lot of things. So he could be a really high upside play with a good potential in his future, but the floor could also be pretty low for him. Let's move on to our number eight player, and it is Jordan Addison, wide receiver for the Vikings. So we've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. We've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Is this now maybe the best young wide receiver duo in the league? I think it very well could be. Addison averaged 15.5 yards per reception over the last two seasons, uh, and he comes into a field where the guy across from him, Justin Jefferson, is going to take a lot of attention. So he's going to see some work. Um, he can line up in the slot or outside. He's probably the most versatile wide receivers from this draft class. Um, and Adam Thielen's gone. So there'll be, we work for him there. Um, if you're a KJ Osborne truther, I was a little bit, this is kind of a blow to his value, but Jordan Addison, what a landing spot for him. Yeah, I love it. I've got him ranked as my number seven player. I've got him ranked ahead of Quentin Johnston. And uh, listen, he could see 100 targets in year one. And I think that Addison is, is a player who is extremely talented in all the things that matter in being a wide receiver, like route running, um, his, his hands, his understanding of spatial awareness. He may not be the fastest or the biggest, and we've seen that there are players that have talent that can overcome that, guys like Devontae Smith and Calvin Ridley and a lot of players that he was comp to. Uh, the Vikings just passed the ball a lot. They could be getting rid of Dalvin Cook. Addison is now third in line for targets in that team. Justin Jefferson's going to be getting a lot of attention. I think that there's a, a Robert Woods kind of fit for the Vikings there in this Kevin O'Connell offense. And like, he's a better prospect than Robert Woods ever was. And uh, there was not a, a, not too long ago a time we were talking about Woods being a top 15, top 20 guy in PPR every year. So yeah, I think that if this trend continues with the Vikings passing the ball a lot, Addison being out there on the field from an early, early standpoint in the season. Yeah, Addison brings you good value early and it, it could be like that for quite a long time. Now we got another tier break here. We move on to tier three. Where we get to our number nine player and it's Zay Flowers. Of the Ravens. Yeah, it does feel like a good tier break right there. I mean, Zay Flowers is highly touted yak monster uh, during the lead up to this draft. Great ability to accelerate after switching direction. Um, you know, I've never really been a fan of Rashad Bateman. So I was really hoping the Ravens are going to address the wide receiver position in this draft and draft someone. Um, and I like Zay Flowers coming into this draft. So I was pretty excited to see him land there. Um, he's got a real opportunity to be the the leading wide receiver in this offense. I still think Mark Andrews will probably get the most targets, but um, Zay Flowers in Baltimore makes a lot of sense. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think that's the thing is he could be the top wide receiver, but he won't be the top receiver on that team. That's still Mark Andrews. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw a lot of like, Holly, he's the next Hollywood Brown for Lamar. And like, they're not the same mold. I'd say he's probably a bit more of like a Debo Samuel light. He's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of underneath stuff. He'll get a lot of backfield touches, screens, things like that. And it'll be a guy that's going to move the ball in Todd Monken's new offense where they should be passing a bit more. Out of those top four wide receivers, like the guys that we already mentioned, this is the player that I feel the least confident about, and that's why I kind of set that tier break for us, where I put him at the top of this new tier, but I can't mm -hmm. quite put him with those other guys. Let's get to our number 10 player, and it's we both have him ranked as number 10. It's Dalton Kincaid, tight end for the Bills. And this is a little bit unprecedented because you don't see a lot of tight ends, rookie tight ends, getting drafted this early in rookie drafts for fantasy purposes. They just take so long to develop, but this is a really interesting case because he's so athletic, ended up on a good team. Joey, talk to me about Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, I, I don't want to fall into taking a rookie wide receiver and expecting him to get out there and start the first year and produce for my fantasy squad. But, man, the way the Buffalo is looking like they're probably going to utilize him makes him 
makes me think that, yeah, he might actually be able to contribute to your team year one. Uh, usually around year three is when you start seeing the tight ends really start to put up numbers. Um, you know, he's not a blocking tight end, which might have him coming off the field a little bit in situations where the run game will be heavy. You know, the Bills are a great team. They put up a lot of points. If they're kind of running down the clock, we might see Kincaid come off a little bit. Outside of that, though, um, his pass catching abilities are elite for his position. Um, and Football Guy's very own Jeff Bell called him a cheat code at the position. So I like this landing spot for him a lot. Yeah, I was also sliding to Jeff Bell's DMs after they made that pick, and he said the exact same thing to me. Because if you can take a guy like this, use him as a big slot, lots of 12 personnel, meaning two tight ends, and Josh Allen loves a slot receiver. Now you got a six foot five guy who has likely already the second best hands in the team behind Stephon Diggs. He's got this really good production profile coming out of Utah and just excellent film. Um, I like the player, I like the draft capital, I like the offense. This could be a lot of fun and a player who could, I mean, the bills, you talk about like them maybe running out the clock. They don't do that. As a Dolphins fan, I've watched these games. Even when they're <laughs> winning, they still don't run out the clock. They pass. They're one of the most pass heavy teams, even in neutral situations or in leading situations. Like they still do it. So Dalton Kincaid, I really like this. And I think it kind of breaks the mold where you can take a tight end as a top 10 pick, even in super flex. Let's go to our number 11 guy. And, this was probably one of the biggest fallers in the draft, uh, but for fantasy purposes, and I get for, for super flex purposes, he doesn't fall too much. It's Will Levis, quarterback for the Titans. Joe, you've got him at 12. I've got him at 11. Yeah, I mean, outside of the Titans trading Ryan Tannehill, I don't think we're going to see Levis start. Definitely not start this season. I don't know if we'll see him this season at all, uh, which is probably good. Um, he looks like a prototypical pro-style quarterback, um, but he can use his Who puts mayonnaise to- in his coffee. It puts yeah, it's disgusting. I'm never gonna let it live. I'm never, never going to let that coffee, go. Coffee is such a wonderful beverage. Why add mayonnaise to it and ruin it? I don't know. They're both um, maybe good individually. Why. Like they're, they're both yes, they're both good true. individually, but like you don't mm-hmm. put those things together. That's just this to me says more about his decision making as an athlete <laughs> and as a person than anything I could ever see on film. It is so frustrating as a person to watch. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, maybe that's why he can't read defenses. So he should spend that first year on the bench to learn how to read defenses properly because of the mayonnaise and the coffee. Maybe just switch to like just regular creamer and it'll all come into focus where you will. Um, me Disgusting. sitting here in a studio where you're out in the field actually playing. Disgusting. <laughs> um, I do love that Tennessee used the first round pick on Peter Skorinsky. Um, Skorinsky, did I say that right? Skorinsky. No, Skorinsky, you got to get the on. Uh, on ski, yeah. The top rated offensive tackle in this draft. Uh, I mean, protecting Levis is going to be paramount. Um, also, getting him another wide receiver in addition to Traylon Burks is going to be kind of important. Um, so until his time come, looks as though Tennessee is making the right moves to get him on the field um, just to make sure he succeeds. Joe, uh, it, Joe it's time It's time for Chig Papa, baby. Chig Oconquo. That's, that's the other receiver on that team. This is but true. Yeah, I, I just, he was training with, um, was it uh, Travis Kelsey's like tight end coach down in Miami? Down, not there far we from go. where you are. There we go. That's what I want to hear. Give me all the Chigaconquo yeah. propaganda. Uh, but Will Levis going to the Titans, man. Like he's he was comped a lot to Ryan Tannehill, so he kind of fits that exact mold of what the Titans want. But we saw them do this last year, where they take Malik Willis a lot later. And what I hate to see as a, as a fan or when I'm evaluating something is when a team just takes a quarterback because they fell. They didn't trade up for him. Like, right. Like we saw if Aaron Rodgers fell, Lamar Jackson fell teams moved up to go get their guy. The Titans did not have that conviction to even move up two or three spots to go get Will Levis. They kind of slept on it. They got to, you know, whatever 33rd or 34th pick in, in, in the draft. And they're like, all right, yeah, we'll take the mayonnaise lover. Like, that's fine. Why? If you know, this is a guy that you have to develop. Why would you not trade up into that first round and get that fifth year option, especially with a position that is so, uh, expensive like quarterback and you know you need that time so yeah it, it shows me like they don't have a lot of conviction in it and they were just kind of like eh, well, let's see what happens and that's why i can't put him in the top 10 I, that's why i gotta keep him in this next tier um even though we put him here and i ranked him at 11 i would have a hard time still drafting him there i think you kind of just end up doing it because it's a quarterback and super flex let's go to our number 12 and number 13 players and we'll start to move a little faster through these and we got back-to-back running backs here who I think are very interchangeable and we actually have them interchangeable and it's uh, Devon a chain going to the Dolphins and Zach Charbonnet to the Seahawks Joey talk about each of these guys real quick yeah I like a chain a little bit more um 
you know, Miami has arguably the fastest wide receiver in the league. Might as well get the fastest running back. He had the fastest yeah, time in the combine. Um, he's a great pass catching back, um, but he still averaged 5.6 yards per carry, so he can still run the ball really well. Um, kind of will be in a committee to start the season with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris is 31. Um, or Raheem so Mostert, either one. Yeah, which that, what did I say? Raheem Morris. Was that, wasn't that oh, the Bucks coach? That's the Bucks coach. So that I get a slip on that because I'm a Bucks fan. Because <laughs> we know who I meant, Raheem Mostert. Oh, boy. Off the rails today. Um, you know, I see a role for A-Chain immediately in the passing game um, and kind of unfolding a little bit more as Miami goes on. This might be outside of those first couple running backs, the running back spot I like the most where he landed, which is why he kind of moved up my rankings a little bit. Yeah, Devon A-Chain going to the Dolphins. I, I, everyone was waiting like, okay, well, which running back goes there? And I was actually thinking maybe they go and they grab Zach Charbonnet, who was falling to them, or I was hoping for maybe one of those tight ends. And tight ends started to go early. I'm a Dolphins fan. I've mentioned that a bunch of times. I have the helmet over my shoulder here. And uh, Devon A-Chain going to the Dolphins was really exciting. And the more I started to really think about it, I started to remember, okay, the Dolphins don't just use one guy. And there was so many weeks where you'd think, okay, I can finally start Raheem Mostert. No, I couldn't because Jeff Wilson went off. Oh, I can finally start Jeff Wilson. No, you can't because Raheem Mostert went off. Oh, I can maybe start one of them, both of them. Nope, because here comes Savan Ahmed out of nowhere. And so, yeah, I get that they're going to be excited about Devon A-Chain. And I'm excited too. He still has that talent where he can you know, break out any given game. Um, but man, it's just the way that team runs, that that kind of San Francisco running back style where they've never really had a single guy. It's, it's typically a committee. Devon A-Chain, because of the size, probably never going to get more than... 12 13 touches in a game but he's got the explosive ability to make things happen and i don't want to adjust too much for landing spot right like i I vaulted him up pretty highly i don't want to change too much and zach charbonnet is the other guy here for the seahawks and listen i think he has an immediate goal line role i think he's gonna have a receiving role in that team and that's something they talked about and when they called zach charbonnet they say you know we run the crud out the ball right yeah, yeah, they do. So I think there's going to be room for both of these guys, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, to be productive. But, oh, gosh, I hate I hate this spot so much for Zach Charbonnet. I hate it so much, it was Joe. The, it was the most disappointing, disappointed I was with any landing spot um, for the first couple of days. You know, I really wanted Charbonnet to go to Cincinnati. It was a tailor-made yes. position for him to go there. Cincinnati had the opportunity, and they passed on him. Um I think they had the opportunity twice to, to take him, actually. Um, you know, like you said, the upside's limited because of Walker. He's going to get goal line carries. Average seven point yards a carry at UCLA. He's a dynamic running back. Just he's, he's coming into at least a timeshare. And that's sad to see because we had such high hopes for him. I mean, he's sank so much in my rankings. Now we get into another tier break here where we move on to tier four. And this is where I think that things get really, I don't want to say juicy, but they get a little muddy. You get a little muddy because I think that you can make the argument for like 10 or 12 different yeah. players to be very relevant at these picks. And for me, I, I kind of, uh, I kept Josh downs as my number 14 player because he was very high for me. And I love the fact that he gets to be in that Shane Steichen offense with the Colts. And uh, so one thing that you, you want to notice, right. Is when teams go outside of their typical mold, the Colts love big athletic guys. And they felt so strongly about Josh downs. And they had like the conviction from Reggie Wayne, who was a big supporter of Josh downs and former Colt at that. They went outside of their comfort zone to go get a small guy and say, we absolutely need him to be our slot receiver. That's something that opens up a lot of the field for the Shane Steichen offense. So Josh Downs still has a road to production. I like the talent a lot, so I'm going to keep him up there at 14. Joey, I see you have him a little bit lower at 17. Yeah, I, I mean, I do like him. One thing I, 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 I when I we're talking about Anthony Richardson, I said I like the addition to there because when a rookie wide uh, quarterback is coming in or say their first year with the job there, with a team, I always like when they've got an exciting slot receiver to kind of use maybe as a safety blanket. You're going to hear me mention that a couple more times today. Uh, I I love downs there in Indianapolis. Uh, so I think it's a great fit. I think Andrew, Anthony Richards could really lean on him if he needs him. Now, we flip-flopped with the next player here. We have Kendry Miller at number 15 here, the running back for the Saints. You have him at 14. I have him at 17, exact opposite of what we did for downs. Kendry Miller, I think it's just he's going to have a limited upside because because of the lack of passing work. We don't know if it means he just can't do it, but he's not a very natural pass catcher. Um, the Saints' backfield is a little bit muddy, but I think there is potential for him there going into the future, right? He's very similar to Jamal Williams. Uh, Alvin Kamara, we don't know what's going to happen there, how much longer he has on that team. So 
this could become something where Kenji Miller really vaults up draft boards, but I, I think I'd kind of rather take guys that have a more immediate uh, road to some production as a rookie. Absolutely. He just feels so similar to Jamal Williams. The, the, yeah. the pick actually had me scratching my head a little bit. Um, you know, I've got him at 14, I believe. Um, yep. There's definitely players, the running backs, I like a little bit more than him. Next up, we got Jaden Reed at 16, wide receiver for the Packers. And I was one of those people that I was already super high on Jaden Reed. And I remember thinking like, man, am I really out of my depth here? Because like, I'm, I'm really, really liking what Jaden Reed brings to the table. And, you know, I already had him up, I believe, in my top 18 players. And then getting this draft capital of being pick 50, I believe it was, going to the Packers that have a an immediate opening for him. And his skill set lends to him being kind of a target hog in that offense and a, and a really quick security blanket for Jordan Love. Man, it bumped him up for me. I have him as my number 15 player. Joe, you have him at 21 still. Um, but I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of argument to be made for a lot of these players, man. When we get into this weird area, you can make an argument for these guys to be up or down six, seven picks. Yeah, we when we we sent each other our rankings yesterday and I was kind of looking, okay, where do we differ? Where are we differing here? Yeah. And it really was kind of like, no, I don't want to say it's a glob, but it's like a lot of these guys, like I agreed with your placement and I see why you had him there. I just was like, well, I got like this guy a little bit more, but you said about Jay and Reed, you know, being a security blanket for love. Like that's absolutely what he's going to become, but he's also a really good uh, run blocker. So I don't think he's going to come off the field. Very oh much. no. Oh no. Run Not blocking bad. stuff. We're talking about run blocking. How dare it's you? It's there. If you How don't want him on the, if do you want him to come off the field? Fine, we'll keep him on okay. the field. He'll get run blocking <laughs> points. Super helpful for fantasy. Yeah. At seventeen, we got <laughs> at seventeen, we got Michael Mayer, tight end for the Raiders. And this was one I think so many people had him as their tight end one. So many people thought he'd be easy top twenty or top twenty six. Like maybe the Dallas Cowboys is the lowest that he would go. Right, fell out of the first round. It goes to the Raiders where at least from what I see from the outside, it's a tight end friendly offense with Josh McDaniels. He's got a tight end friendly quarterback with Jimmy G, but how long do those things last there? They've also got a couple of the tight ends on the roster here. I believe they signed Austin Hooper. And I don't think that necessarily means that like Michael Mayer is not going to be the starter, but I think it cuts into some of his snaps maybe a little bit, or they got to run a few more two tight end sets. Uh, man, I don't hate it. I just don't love it. So, and especially with his, in my opinion, low ceiling as a tight end prospect, like he's not super versatile or athletic. I still have him at 21. Joey, you've got him at 16. So overall he comes out to number 17 for us. Yeah. I'm a little more optimistic about him. I mean, there is that big hole left by Darren Waller. Um, you know, he's got the ability to work great inside. Um, he's a great blocker. We'll keep him on the field. Like I mentioned about the previous player we're talking about, you know, back-to-back seasons at Notre Dame with at least 65 receptions, 800 plus yards, just, you know, he was the kind of the 1A, 1B tight end in this draft class. Uh, and I like the landing spot for Kincaid better. But I think Michael Mayer, I hate to say it, a tight end is going to produce the first year. Probably not the first year with him, but he's definitely a dynasty uh, asset to have. There's another tight end that I think could be a really good producer in year one. We will get to him a little bit later. Mm -hmm. That's a professional tease. Let's get to our final two players in this tier four. Uh, it's Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver for the Panthers, and Marvin Mims, wide receiver for the Broncos. I was much higher on Marvin Mims than I ever was on Jonathan Mingo in this pre-draft process. Um, I think you can't ignore draft capital. Jonathan Mingo going very high, walking into a situation where there is opportunity. Marvin Mims still goes pretty high. Um, I like the prospect a lot better, and I love the fact that the Broncos traded up to go get him. They went and got their guy, and Sean Payton seems to just really not like that Denver Broncos roster. Um, he went and he got Adam Troutman. He's been talking about like, oh, maybe Greg Dulcich isn't this you know fantastic tight end, and we really have to reevaluate it. And he's reevaluating everyone on this team. And there's been rumors of Cortland Sutton being off that team. Marvin Mims could come in and be that deep threat guy for them. Jonathan Mingo reminds me a lot of LaVisca Chenault of a guy who's really good with the ball in his hands. Um, sloppy route runner, very aggressive, go and get it kind of guy, but like he, he lacks that refinement and LaVisca Chenault's already on the Panthers. So like, I'm, I'm curious as to what they're going to do. I don't think that Mingo's a, a bad player by any means, but I think it's going to require a lot of development. Um, I don't know if that happens there in Carolina. Yeah, we mentioned Marvin Mims. You had him ranked. Where'd you have Mims ranked? I have Mims? I have Mims at 16, and I have Mingo at 22. Okay. okay. So, yeah, I was I was a little bit higher on Mingo. But with Mims, like, all that needs to change for me is Jerry Judah or Corlin Sutton to get shipped out 
and I'm going to be so well, Jerry Judy, they, they just picked up the Jerry Judy fifth year option. The Broncos okay. did. So, so Jerry okay. Judy's not going anywhere. If someone does move, it's probably going to be Cortland Sutton. Yeah. So, I mean, then Mims would go a little bit higher on my draft board. But Mingo, we mentioned safety blankets. And that's another safety blanket for a rookie quarterback. And I love that. Um, you know, true senior out of Ole Miss. Versatility stretch the field. And he could work in the middle as a big slot. So, I, I like Mingo a lot there in Carolina. Um, but there is some injury concern, which has him a little bit lower down for me. I think that's something that Frank Reich was talking about is, you know, you talked about like using him over the middle. They want to use him on a, on a lot of uh, over routes and uh, unders. And I'm, I'm using terms that seem very vague here, but um, they, they want to use him on a lot of those crossing routes where they can just get the ball in his hands and get him running at full speed because that's where he succeeds. So yeah, I, I can see them doing that a lot with him and get him into that big slot role. We got another tier break here. Where we get to tier five. And I think arguably like you could start to think that maybe some of these players, and I do have some of these players ranked a little bit higher that they could have been up in tier four. Like this is once again, it's messy. It's messy. This is one of the weirdest round twos in a rookie draft that I've seen in a while, but we've got a couple running backs here at the top of this tier. And it's tank Bigsby for the Jaguars who we both have him at number 20 and then Roshan Johnson running back for the bears. Uh, Joey, you've got him at 22. I've got him at 19. Yeah, Tank Bisbee is a case of like, I like the talent, not the landing spot. You know, back-to-back double-digit rushing touchdown seasons at Auburn. And and while his receptions numbers look low, Alfredo, you brought this up. He led Auburn in receiving last season. So he does have the talent to be a receiving back. Um, I could see him carving out a role as the Jaguars goal line back uh, just due to his size and with no more James Robinson there. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've seen Doug Peterson do where he likes to deploy multiple running backs. And I think he was trying to do that last year with James Robinson. And James Robinson just w- was dusted at that point, uh, still recovering from that Achilles. Tank Bigsby can come in and take over that role. Um, I don't think it actually means that Tank's B- Tank Bigsby becomes like a 50-50 back in that offense. I think it's still going to be a bit of like a 60-40. ETN's going to get a lot more of the valuable receptions. But Bigsby becomes a guy that becomes a, a pretty valuable handcuff. He's, he's, you know, kind of like, like it's called like a Samaj AP Ryan to ETN's Joe Mixon, but with, you know, ETN getting some better re- receiving work there. So I, I think there's definitely a lot of value um, with Bigsby there on the Jaguars. And I think that if you could scoop him up towards the end of your second round or mid- maybe middle of your second round, he does present some value. I do like Roshan Johnson uh, better though. And I've got Roshan Johnson ranked a little bit higher. So this is interesting because I'm a big fan of Cleo Herbert. And I love the fact that the Bears love to run the ball and they're establishing that 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 running aspect of their team. They went out and drafted a right tackle. Roshan Johnson, what I don't like here is they're already talking about like he's going to be a, a good pass blocker for us. When that's the first thing that your general manager comes out and says, that's not super exciting. And I don't know that like that gives me a lot of... of uh, it doesn't make me see the future that, that positive for Roshan. Uh, I don't think he's better than David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert was outperforming David Montgomery last year. I think that he's going to pre- uh, present a, a relatively similar skill set to Deontay Foreman. I think people are just now all of a sudden making Deontay Foreman cooked like out of nowhere because they drafted Bijan Robinson's backup. And I'm not against Roshan Johnson. I was one of the people that was really vouching for him. I just think that this Bears running back situation is a lot muddier than people think. I still think that Khalil Herbert remains the top guy in that backfield. I think that Deontay Foreman is going to get a lot of that dirty work. And I think that Roshan Johnson, you know, he's going to come in for some snaps, but I think you're you're expecting or thinking that there's going to be injury for Roshan Johnson to come in and get a legitimate role in the Bears offense early. I still have him as an upside guy that you can get in the uh, late second round here. Joey, yeah, let's move he, on. Oh, sorry. Oh, Go for it. No, I have not, honestly nothing else to add except that he actually <laughs> does have good hands as a receiver. Yeah. So that might be where he finds some success for Chicago. Um but yeah, you you hit it all. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I took all of your 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 lightning from no, your lightning I there. Really My good. bad. You're good. You're good. Uh, so at number 22, we've got Sam Laporta, and this is a guy that I have ranked pretty highly. We we consensus got him at 22. I've got him at 18. You've got him at 25. I still have him ahead. Or do I have him ahead? I think I might have him ahead of Michael Mayer. I have him at 18. I have Michael Mayer at yeah, 21. I've got Sam Laporta ahead. Um, Sam Laporta was a rookie prospect. I was really into because of his movement skills, because of his receiving skills. And he's a guy that, you know, he's not going to be relegated to being a blocker and going into that lions offense. That was so high octane last year. They're going to be without Jamison Williams for those first six games. Uh, they're just, they're making a shift here, right? They really don't have another receiving option outside of, let's say Amon or St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs for those first six games. 
Sam Laporta all of a sudden becomes a guy that could get production early, early, early in his career. And you have to look at draft capital. They took him as a top three pick, if I'm not mistaken, in the second round, which this year ended up becoming like pick 34 or something like that. So it's it's really hard to ignore that stuff. I really like Sam Laporta, and I like this opportunity for him in the Lions offense early. Yeah, the reason that I have Laporta a little bit lower was just because once TJ Hawkinson left Detroit, and it might just be because they didn't have a talented tight end really there. You're not a Brock Wright stand? I know I'm not, you know what the last name you think I would be, but I'm not, but it did seem like <laughs> Dan Campbell wanted to kind of spread the ball evenly between his yeah. tight ends. Um, so that's kind of my only trepidation. And, you know, like you said, the first six games, there could be work there, but then Jamison Williams comes back. Um, this is a high powered offense. So there's going to be work there, but then there's those two running backs as well. It's just, there's a lot of work to go around and I'm afraid the Laporta might be on the short end of it a little bit. All right, so let's talk about the next guy here. The Lions drafted, and it's Hendon Hooker, quarterback coming out of Tennessee, where you know Matt Harmon called it the Mickey Mouse offense, and I tend to agree. It's hard to evaluate a quarterback that only has to look at one side of the field. He's going to be like 38 years old next year. He's recovering from an ACL, and we talked about how quarterbacks need to get that experience and be on the field. He's not going to be on the field this year, and Jared Goff still has two years with the Lions, so he's probably not going to be on the field for the next two years. And how often do we see a, a third-round quarterback all of a sudden come in and be the starter three years later after really not getting experience? So I think I only keep him at 25 because he is a quarterback in a super flex league, but I don't have high hopes for Hendon Hooker. I didn't really like him too much as a prospect, but I, I can see why you can make the argument for taking him here in, in the second round or having him in your top 20. Joe, you got him a little bit higher at 18. I do. While I love Jared Goff, and I think he absolutely earned this next season to play as a starting quarterback for the Lions, um, if something does happen and he does get injured, I think this offense fits in and hooker really well. I think Amonor St. Brown and Jameson Williams are two wide receivers that would work really well with him. Um, so I have him a little bit higher, but like you said, it's super flex. He's a quarterback. Um, he was the, what, fifth quarterback taken? Um, I believe so. Fifth or fourth? Fifth, yeah. Fifth, yeah, fifth. If you're drafting, you're going to have to wait. And that's, you know, that's sad to say. But if something does happen, he could be top 20 quarterback. Definitely valuable in Superflex. Yeah, he's the insurance policy, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, what you're saying there, right? And sometimes it's worth it. Some people value insurance a bit more than others. Um, I'm I, Apparently, I'm not that person today. Uh, so let's Do take a look insurance? at our... I don't know. Does football guys have insurance? I don't know. Uh, let's take a look at our last three players here that round out this tier. And this will be the last three players of the show. Uh, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver for the Chiefs. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver for the Giants. And then Tajay Spears, running back for the Titans. So uh, Rasheed Rice and Jalen Hyatt. I think these are both guys that are going to be considered the field stretchers. Uh, you've got Rasheed Rice a bit higher. You've got him at 19. I've got him at 24. And he ended up being our consensus 24. Jalen Hyatt, you've got him at 26. I've got him at 23. He ends up being our consensus 25. I think that these are two players that with very similar skill sets. Jalen Hyde, I believe, is a bit faster. Rasheed Rice needs a bit. I mean, they both need a bit of refinement. You can look at this however you want, right? Rasheed Rice got the better draft capital and has a better quarterback. Jalen Hyde, I think, has the better production profile and probably a bit faster um, and and a less of a of a muddy. Uh, I mean, they all kind of have a muddy like receiver room on their teams, man. Like yeah. the Giants have a lot of guys that do the same things. Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, all field stretchers. And Rasheed Rice goes to a team that already has Marquez Valdez Scantling. And so it's just, it almost becomes a war of attrition with these wide receivers is basically, are they going to be the last man standing? Yeah. As far as she Rice, like I actually have even a little bit higher because, you know, Kansas City, yay, Patrick Mahomes. But <laughs> then when you kind of think about it, outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Mahomes just spreads it around. Yeah. And you know, Rasheed Rice does stretch the field, which Mahomes loves to throw to players like that. But I, I'm just going to have to see it a little bit first because we saw Sky Moore come in last year and didn't really, you know, take the lead. Juju Smith-Schuster, the same thing. It's just I'm going to have to see it a little bit. As far as Jalen Hyatt, I said that I thought a good fit would be for the Cowboys because the NFC East plays the most zone defense. Well, he went to the Giants, so I guess that's still relevant. Um, so I kind of like the landing spot a little bit, but – you know, if he's being contested at all, he's going to run into some trouble. Yeah. Something I, I, I tweeted about was, you know, I, there's a lot to be made of like, Oh, p- people are saying Patrick Mahomes picked Rasheed Rice. Like he handpicked him because they were working out. And when that was brought up to Andy Reed, Andy was like, 
Yeah, like he was working out with a lot of prospects. That doesn't necessarily mean like that changes anything. Um, one thing that like kind of threw me off, and I don't know if I like it or hate it or what, but it's that I, I think I'll probably get the first name wrong, Clark Hunt or, or Hunt, whoever the the CEO and president of the, the Kansas City Chiefs organization is. He is an SMU alum and talked about how he watched a lot of SMU football this year and he sits on the board of trustees for SMU and this really felt like one of those like if you've seen the movie draft day of like go and get me this guy and it I don't think Andy Reid is the kind of guy to get bullied around like that but I think like he just looked at it and he was like all right what the heck we got Patrick like let's just go and get a guy who could be good and that's the only thing that kind of worries me like I wasn't in love with Rasheed Rice but once again these guys you're just making dart throws at this point. Last yep. one. And I really want to talk about this guy is Ty J Spears running back for the Titans. And this one broke my heart because I absolutely loved Ty J. Like he was as high as my running back four, and he was a guy that I thought that with draft capital and everything going well, could have snuck into that late first round the way Devon a chain did. And this has nothing to do with the landing spot. I mean, a little bit to do with the landing spot, but all of it is the medicals and getting all these reports back that Tajay Spears not only does not have ACLs, but that he's got like a, a lot of bone on bone stuff. And um, he's got arthritis. And, you know, we talked to our very own Dr. Vignesh Doraswamy here at football guys. And he, his exact words to me was, I would be surprised if he lasts for more than two or three seasons in the league. I take that information and look at the fact that Derek Henry's probably not going anywhere this year. They're probably not trading him this year. And so if Tajay Spears does become the Titans starting running back, you're looking at one to two years potentially of solid production. I don't want to have to bet on that with one of my top two picks in a rookie draft in the first two rounds. Yeah, I completely agree. And with all the medicals, and it's funny you mentioned the landing spot. I didn't actually mind the landing spot because I yeah, think it's great. Provide something a little different than Derrick Henry does. Because I mean, Derrick, what was that picture of Derrick Henry next to the other running? Was it Deion Lewis? No, it, it was, was um, like, it, uh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, who's Mark like Ingram? not, yeah, who's like yeah. not a small dude. Yeah, and just Henry just towered over him. It's going to be a similar something similar to that. But you know, if he's only going to be around for two to three years, you can't pit, use a dynasty pick on him really. So he's pretty low in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, you could take a shot, like you know, and he maybe he gets some receiving work. Maybe if if Henry, God forbid, goes down, whatever. But yeah, it's really hard to be confident in a guy like that. Well, Joey, we did it. We got through all of our players here. We went pretty long, <laughs> but yeah, no. So I mean, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the audio version, right? Where it's a bit longer, uh, where you got to get you know the the full aspect of what we're looking at here, and we'll continue to kind of you know, mix these things around a bit, um, but. Joey, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much. We're going to keep getting these rankings a bit more refined. We're mm -hmm. going to be giving you some mock drafts and all month long here at Football Guys, whether it's audio, whether it's video, whether it's written, we're going to be doing a lot of Dynasty rookie content because, hey, it's rookie mock draft season, baby. Rookie draft Let's season go. too. SZN, as the youth say. I feel so cool when I say it. it that's how I say it. But that's how it like feels in my head. I don't know if it comes out that way when <laughs> I say it. Does it sound cool? No, right? I mean, I think you're cool. If for anyone that's uh, listen, listening uh, on the, I love you. He's got a beautiful like orange like penguin shirt. He looks it's like a, he's it's ready coral. to like, go out for a coral. nice dinner. I've, I've been told it's coral. Yeah, coral. Hey, coral. It's like either like a nice dinner out or like maybe he's gonna go play nine real quick after the show's over. I don't know. Might do both. That's <laughs> it for us today, Joey. Thank you so much for joining me, man. We'll be back thank next you. week. We're gonna be talking more about these rookies. Thank you all for listening all the way through. Adios. <laughs>